Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with Canola Council of Canada agronomist Warren Ward. And up first in today's country comment, we'll have details on the province's first case of the highly pathogenic H5N1 avian influenza in a commercial poultry flock. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is reporting what Manitoba agriculture is calling the province's first case of the highly pathogenic H5N1 avian influenza in a commercial poultry flock. The CFIA's website says the disease was confirmed Saturday in the rural municipality of Whitemouth, east of Winnipeg. Lisa Bishop-Spencer is with Chicken Farmers of Canada. There's currently one commercial farm in Manitoba where birds have tested positive for avian influenza. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has quarantined that farm as well as other commercial poultry and egg farms within a a certain region of the infected farm in what's called a control zone. So that means that there's going to be movement controls in place uh, and we have enhanced biosecurity protocols in place in that zone. Talk a little bit about uh, just just the food safety aspect. I know we've touched on this, but, um, you know, just fill us in on that. So consumers should rest assured that Health Canada is definitive that this is not a food safety issue. It's a flock health issue. So poultry and egg products are available for Manitobans to continue to enjoy as they always have. Now that there has been a case, are, are there uh, certain um, uh, procedures that producers will need to, to, to follow here in the province, you know, as far as, um, I guess, just registering or, or different different protocols like that? Or Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is within that 10-kilometer zone, anything that needs to come into that zone for the purposes of poultry and eggs uh, will have to be permitted. So anybody delivering feed onto a farm within that zone will have to have a permit to move in and out of that region In addition to that, farmers are working hard on the farm and within sort of that three-kilometer zone around the index farm, they're going to be doing things like sanitizing vehicle tires and wheel wells as they enter and exit the property, you know, changing foot attire when visiting the premises, and then again when if they have to go into the barn at all. And then, of course, things like limiting visitation to appointment only and tracking who comes onto the property. What will happen with those birds in that specific uh, barn? So that barn will be ordered depopulated by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. Um, And then we will uh, do our very best at that point. Again, if it's in a barn, we try to keep it in the barn. And if it's out, keep it out. Any advice or any words for for producers here in the province? I think we just need to be on alert and uh, not alarmed, but on alert. We need to make sure that we're increasing our biosecurity around all properties, especially because we're in sort of that migratory bird season. We haven't seen a lot of lateral spread. We don't want to, but we haven't seen a lot of lateral spread from farm to farm. So we just have to make sure that we're keeping an eye on the wild birds in our area as well. That was Lisa Bishop-Spencer with Chicken Farmers of Canada talking about Manitoba's first case of the highly pathogenic H5N1 avian influenza confirmed in a commercial poultry flock. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is reporting what Manitoba agriculture is calling the province's first case of the highly pathogenic H5N1 avian influenza in a commercial poultry flock. The CFIA's website says the disease was confirmed Saturday in the rural municipality of Whitemouth, east of Winnipeg. The infected premises has been placed under quarantine and the CFIA says it'll be establishing movement control measures on other farms in the area. Lisa Bishop-Spencer is with Chicken Farmers of Canada. 
within that 10 kilometer zone, anything that needs to come into that zone for the purposes of poultry and eggs uh, will have to be permitted. So anybody delivering feed onto a farm within that zone will have to have a permit to move in and out of that region. In addition to that, farmers are working hard on the farm and within sort of that three kilometer zone around the index farm, they're gonna be doing things like sanitizing vehicle tires and wheel wells as they enter and exit the property, you know, changing foot attire when visiting the premises. And then again, when if they have to go into the barn at all. And then of course, things like limiting visitation to appointment only and tracking who comes onto the property. Although officials say the risk of transmission of avian influenza to humans is low, they warn that people should not touch dead birds or other wildlife with their bare hands. Dairy farmers of Manitoba held a number of in-person spring meetings across the province this month. Chair David Weens talked about processing capacity. Things are fairly stable here in Manitoba in, in, in terms of uh, processing. We are looking at, you know, we are uh, certainly talking to a number of players about you know, expanding their operations. And, and this, this ranges from, uh, you know, the, the larger players to, uh, to the niche players that have, are making specialty products. But there certainly is, is uh, interest in continuing to grow the industry. And, of course, you know, Manitoba being part, working very closely with the uh, other uh, three western provinces, you know, we're looking at uh, projects, you know, right across the west that will help us grow our industry here in Manitoba as well. Meetings were held in Winkler and Steinbach. And taking a look at the first quarter results for the cattle markets, there's been a strong strong recovery to the slaughter cow price. Ann Wasco is a market analyst with Gateway Livestock. First quarter average was in the mid-80s, um, but here at the end of the first quarter and as we start April, we've got um, D2 cows, good cows, trading uh, up in the high 90s and up over a dollar as well. So those that, that's been a big move since the start of the year where they were 75 cents on in early January. So a big move on, on slaughter cow prices. She says the increase in the cow market is a result of the high demand for ground beef or lean trimmings, not just here in Canada, but the U.S. and globally. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, April 25th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with Canola Council of Canada agronomist Warren Ward. Joining us today is Canola Council of Canada agronomist Warren Ward. Right, well, as you know, canola is a very small seeded crop, and with that uh, the small seed, there comes some risk when we're placing the uh, fertilizer in that seed row. So really what we want to do is, is limit the, the potential of having damage from that fertilizer in the seed. And there's a couple of different mechanisms that cause that damage on the seed. Uh, you know, if we think about the nitrogen component in many fertilizers, there can be uh, an ammonia, uh, effect is that nitrogen is converting into form and the maximum damage is also the salt effect that, that can impact the seed development plants as well. Why is uh, phosphorus the exception there? Well, we, uh, we do know there are benefits to having phosphorus uh, in close proximity to the seed or seed growth, and, and really that, that would be in safe amounts. So we like to think of that starter amount of phosphorus, and, uh, and that's really what we're talking about. So you know, generally, we're talking that 15 to, to 20 pounds uh, of actual fox in the, in the seed row. And really what that's helping us do is get that early season pop-up effect where um, basically helping that, that uh, those plants develop and, and, uh, and pop out of the ground in a timely manner. Uh, one of the reasons for that is that we know uh, that phosphorus is not mobile in the soil. And, 
And Warren, um, just talk a little bit more about how to how to reduce that nitrogen risk. Yeah, so there's a, there are some some ways uh, that that can safen the amount of uh, of um, fertilizer in the seed row. So number one uh, is moisture, and moisture can fix a lot of problems, and, and that's especially true when it comes to, to seed place fertilizer as well. Um, but you know we got to be aware of that sometimes as well because we might uh, you know as as we're going into a field to start seeding it might seem like conditions are quite quite good you know we've got adequate seed place moisture. Uh, but once once you get in there, open up that field. You know, if it turns hot and dry and windy for uh, for a few days. That can that that topsoil moisture can change in a hurry as well. So you got to kind of take that one uh, with a little bit of caution. Uh, also, then there are uh, different sources of fertilizer. So uh, so thinking of some of the, the uh, polymer coated products like like ESN, for instance, which is going to slow that release of of nitrogen and you know, that'll that'll um, uh, lower the risk of having that, that ammonia formation. Uh, and then there's things such as uh, soil pH, which, um, you know, as, we, as we know, uh, the higher soil pH, uh, which is uh, you know fairly common in, in many Manitoba soils, that uh, there's that risk of, of ammonia formation versus some of the lower pH soils. And then feedback utilization. So if we think, you know, what's our opener width and what's our row space, right? The, the wider our, our opener width and the narrower our row space just reduces that concentration of fertilizer in that in that band, and uh, the lower the concentration, the the more safe it will be. And uh, I guess finally here, just talk a little bit about uh, just the importance of uh, testing. Uh, soil testing is uh, is definitely still a hot topic. I think you know I think there was a, a pretty good uh, run on it last fall, just with with the um, you know after the the drought conditions and crops yields weren't what was expected, so. I think there was a lot of questions about what's left in the soil after that. And then, you know, we did see some changes throughout the fall as well. Some areas got rain, and then we had some, some regrowth of, uh, of plants in the field. So there's a lot of things happening out there that just might make you wonder, what are my nutrient rates in the field? So, so yeah, still, still, if there are some questions out there, you're uncertain, there's still time to go out and do some more soil testing uh, and get those results before the seeders at the field. All right. Anything else to add, Warren? You know, I just wanted to uh, to maybe uh, put one little plug in here for for our nutrient management. Uh, it's uh, I think a timely topic as we head into seeding, and I know uh, you know timing for ours being the right fertilizer at the right source at the right rate at the right time, and you know timing. I guess we're coming into seeding, right? Uh, but now we'll start looking at you know what is the right source or, or you know what source can we can we uh, can we access right now given some of the the types of lies. Uh, rate is going to be important as well. If we talk we talk about that soil testing, that's going to help determine the right rate in combination with picking uh, you know a, a yield target that's going to uh, help you capitalize on, on some of these um, decent commodity prices that are out there. And then um, you know the right place, and I always like to. End on that one because right now, you know, as we're going into seeding, in my mind, the best place for that fertilizer is in a band of the soil. Uh, but also keep in mind that, uh, that you know, it does take some logistics to get it there. So the proper planning is always important, especially especially if things start getting more busy. 
That was Canola Council of Canada agronomist Warren War. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A workshop entitled Start Your Grazing Plan will be held May 3rd at the Brookdale Farm north of Brandon. You can register on the Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiative website. Another workshop will be held May 5th at the Ericsdale Community Centre. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. These sessions begin May 4th and conclude on June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The 2022 Spring Farmers Market Coordinator Gathering is being planned for May 13th in Winnipeg. The gathering will include workshops, lunch, solution, mill, as well as time to connect with fellow coordinators. Get all the details with Direct Farm Manitoba. And Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a fence and water solutions workshop June 1st. The cost is $30. You can register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. Joining us now is Barry Friesen, Executive Director with Clean Farms. Well, what's happening is in, in Saskatchewan, uh, all of our containers, small containers for pesticide and fertilizers and, and bulk containers are collected at egg retails. And uh, as you know, it, uh, farming is seasonal. And uh, so May 2nd is the date that we open up our, the doors and farmers can bring back their containers. And we're just promoting this because we have a terrific recovery rate. And we want to get uh, even better. And uh, would that be the same for Manitoba here? Uh, Manitoba is a little bit different. And now it's uh, in Manitoba is at uh, municipal sites. Uh, most of them are municipal, municipal locations where... You can go in and folks can go on our website at cleanfarms.ca to find out the site uh, where it is. Uh, same thing in Alberta as well. Uh, now, the other thing that, that is happening in, in Manitoba and Alberta is that we are transitioning from municipal collections to retail locations. So check our website. Uh, uh, eventually, all the municipal sites will close and the retail locations will be, uh, will be the collection uh, locations for the small containers. And uh, the and the bulk containers, which already has there. And uh, Barry, just tell us again, you know, what type of containers you accept there? These are typically farmers of what they are. They're typically a high density polyethylene, ten liter container is the most standard size containers. Although sometimes they're smaller and sometimes they're a little bit bigger, and uh, they're used to to contain liquid pesticides and uh, micronutrients and fertilizers and the like. And uh, farmers uh, across the province are quite used to managing those th- those things, and uh, and most of them because we've been collecting them since 1989 in the province. Uh, um, they know where the lo- collection locations are, but they will be changing o- over the next three years. And um, I guess just tell us a little bit about last year. You know what you were able to to collect. Oh man, it was great! So we're pushing 80 percent recovery of all of these containers. And it's for every uh, every ten containers that go out, we're getting almost eight of them back. Now, having said that's really good, but having said that, our goal is to get one hundred percent of them, and uh, and that's not unheard of because you look at uh, uh, some other programs where they're getting ninety, ninety five, sometimes even one hundred percent of the containers in other other types of materials. Uh, so we're hoping to do the same thing. So very good kudos on behalf of. 
the farmers to participate in the program and collecting that much, but we want to get more. All right. And, um, yeah, you know, we Friday was Earth Day, uh, but, you know, any thoughts yeah. on, on that and, and, and the work you're doing there? Well, I, I can tell you that I'm really excited about uh, what's going on uh, you know, from coast to coast, and uh, particularly in, in Manitoba, we have a new grain bag and twine recycling program. So, uh, and again, the, the locations where farmers will be able to take back their grain bags and twine, uh, they're available on our website. And uh, uh, and I'm just really excited by the fact that this past Earth Day, we are getting more and more of these materials that otherwise were burnt or buried in landfills, really a loss of a resource. And now we're we'll able to take them back and, uh, and recycle them, make new things out of them. And uh, the, the other thing that's exciting about that is we're creating new jobs. You know, every time you, uh, there's 10 times more jobs in recycling than there is in simple disposal. And so if you don't participate in it, then you're actually taking jobs away from other people. And in this climate, jobs are very, very important. So, so it's a, it not only helps the environment, but helps our local economy by having people manage these materials. All right. And um, just looking here, there's uh, some, some pilot projects ongoing. Anything you wanted to touch on there? Oh, we've got pilot programs from coast to coast right now. And uh, so the, the, real, the key thing here is the fact that there's about 62,000 tons of agricultural plastics, particularly used in Canada every year. What, it, what would that entail? If you fully loaded uh, some 53-foot trailers, that would be 2,800 trailers every year of brand new plastic going to markets being used. And so we're currently collecting 10% of that. And so to get the other 90%, we do a lot of pilot programming to try and figure figure things out and get things going. We are starting a new uh, seed and pesticide bag program where that's going to be collected at agri- agriculture retailers. And uh, so farmers can take back their seed and pesticide bags and inoculant bags free of charge uh, to their local ag retailer, we provide bags for them to put the small bags in, and uh, and uh, that's one particular pilot program. Our grain bag and twine program began as a pilot program to figure out what works best in, in the area, and now it's going to be permanent in Manitoba. It's already permanent in Saskatchewan, and uh, we're hoping soon it'll be permanent in, in Alberta as well. And uh, And so we're constantly looking at how do we manage all the rest of these agricultural plastics and other packaging and the like? And uh, that's what the, the pilot programs are all about, learning what works best for the farmer and making it convenient and easy to, to use for, for them to take their materials back and have them recycled. That was Barry Friesen. He's the executive director with Clean Farms. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has confirmed a case of avian influenza in a commercial poultry flock here in Manitoba. The confirmation marks the first case of highly pathogenic avian influenza, H5N1, in a commercial flock here in the province. The CFIA's website says the disease was confirmed Saturday in the RM of Whitemouth, east of Winnipeg. The infected premises has been placed under quarantine and the CFIA says it'll be establishing movement control measures on other farms in the area. Lisa Bishop-Spencer is with Chicken Farmers of Canada. So that barn will be ordered depopulated by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and then we will uh, do our very best at that point. Again, if it's in a barn, we try to keep it in the barn and if it's out, keep it out. 
Although officials say the risk of transmission of avian influenza to humans is low, they warn that people should not touch dead birds or other wildlife with their bare hands. The fat cattle market has been fairly stagnant for the first quarter of 2022. Ann Wasco is a market analyst with Gateway Livestock and says Finnish cattle have been in a negative position through the first quarter of this year, which is mainly due to the cost of feed. Feed costs are record high, whether you're a cow-calf producer whether you're a backgrounder, you know, trying to, uh, that you've held some calves over um, to winter or you're, you're looking at a cattle finishing operation. In all cases, we're looking at record high feed costs. She notes the best news so far has been a strong recovery to the slaughter cow price in the first quarter with D2 cows trading in the mid-80s moving up into the high 90s in April. Dairy farmers of Manitoba held in-person spring meetings this month. Chair David Weens talked about market demand. What we saw earlier in the pandemic was the fluid milk consumption, the table milk. Actually, uh, once that transitioned more into into the home, uh, we actually saw a bump in that uh, in that consumption, which you know we're now uh, kind of seeing that uh, uh, returning to uh, kind of the former trend, which is a slight decline in in milk consumption. So. You know, what What they say is uh, really what's happening is that more and more Canadians are are eating their dairy rather than drinking their dairy products. So that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now. Meetings were held in Winkler and Steinbach. And more than 40 projects will receive a total of $704,000 in targeted financial assistance through the Agricultural Crownlands Forage Productivity Pilot Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. In all, 42 projects have been approved for the one-year pilot project. These projects will receive up to $30,000 with a cost-share ratio of 75% government and 25% applicant and must be completed by December of this year. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details on Stats Canada's crop acreage report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.